making 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 contact making contact <laughs> I'm Anita Johnson and on today's making contact there's a shirt that move have been selling for years for decades it has the helicopter on it and it says welcome to Philadelphia welcome to Philadelphia and there's a quote on this shirt that says clearly this was not an accident this was deliberate murder the circumstances surrounding it were horrible and even more horrible to me was that the perpetrators basically were never in any way punished old wounds were reignited with the acknowledgement that the remains of two children killed in the 1985 move bombing in Philadelphia were being used for research at the University of Pennsylvania and Princeton University without the consent of the family. Mike Africa Jr., a move member and descendant of those murdered in the bombing. On May 13, 1985, the government dropped the bomb and they killed 11 people, 11 of my move brothers and sisters, my family members, And when they did that, medical examiners were paid to find out what happened to these dead people. And they took my move family, my brothers and sisters, to a lab. And they left them unrefrigerated. Their bodies were decomposing. And they did such an egregious thing at that point that they were fired and stripped of their license. The people that took over or were supposed to be taking over and continuing this job in an ethical way were the people that we are out here protesting against today. Alan Mann, who is the person, the monster, that has done these horrible things to my sisters. And my question is, where are the rest of the people? Where are the rest of the people? Because you know that if they took Tree and Delisha, they didn't leave the other ones behind. So we are here today, right now, to say that we want be held accountable for what they did to our family. And we ain't going away. If you know anything about the move organization, you know we can stand our ground. We come back. They dropped the bomb on us and it ain't stop nothing. It ain't stop nothing. Oh, it hurts. Every time I think about it, it takes me back to 1985. But it ain't stop nothing. That monster, Janet Mine. It's on video describing how my sister probably suffers a fracture because something heavy landed on her. The two girls, Tree Africa, age 14, and Delisha Africa, age 12, were victims of the Philadelphia police bombing of the move's home. This horrific attack 
highlights a painful history of police brutality in the U.S. The most recent discovery that Penn Museum and Princeton's Anthropology Department is using the remains of at least one of the two girls without the consent of their families egregiously displays the dehumanization and disregard for those two little girls and the horror they suffered. On today's show, we'll revisit some of this history with MOVE member and descendant of the victims, Mike Africa Jr., who you'll hear more from later. First, we present the documentary, Let the Fire Burn. The film, directed by Jason Osder, examines the May 13th 1985 clash between police in Philadelphia and MOVE, a black-led radical environmentalist group. The fire is now five alarms still raging out of control, as you can see. Going in, everybody knew that MOVE would resist anything. While the police will say that they come here to arrest people, we have done nothing wrong. Did you have a concern that the people in that side of that house might be in physical danger or their lives might be in danger? Concern? We knew it. We, we, excuse me, we had, you had 200 boot-kicking, Gestapo-oriented cops out there that day. You had that day uh, a police officer by the name of Mulva Hill, who was in the 1978 uh, tragedy who was in fact one of the officers who stomped and kicked and beat and bludgeoned and shot and helmeted and kicked some more, my brother, Delbert Africa. So as I understand your testimony, you were concerned that there may be physical harm to the people inside that house, is that correct? Would you turn up your hearing aid, please? And what were we concerned is complete. Lisa, there has just been a huge explosion here. We don't know what it means, but it just shook the whole place. Debris flew all over the place. I don't know what that explosion was. All I can tell you is that it was a huge blast. Get a shot with me. Get a shot. Harvey, can you hear us? At this point, I, I really can't tell you very much. There was about a 15-second delay, then an explosion. Perhaps the most frightening thing here is that police do say that six to eight children are believed to be inside the move house. As soon as we find out what the explosion is, we will try to tell you. At this point, I simply do not know. After the explosion, you saw that the bunker was still there? Yes, sir. Did you observe any smoke or fire on the roof? I did not. And I did hear over the radio that there was none. I wanted to get the bunker. I wanted to be able to somehow have tactical superiority without sacrificing any lives, if it were at all possible. Commissioner Sambor said to me, he said, let's let the bunker burn to eliminate that high ground advantage and the tactical advantage of the bunker. And I said, yeah, okay. It was not an order. In, in essence, in communication, I communicated to him that I would like to let the fire burn. If you look carefully, by the way, if you can take a look so I can point to the monitor here, right here is a line of stakeout squad officers. And they seem to be lined up at the ready waiting for something to happen. They seem to be waiting for something to come out of that house. 
Now, when they did come out, I see the smaller child come out, and then an adult male come out right behind him. Yeah. And he stood up and aimed a rifle up in the direction of Officer Barriana's position and fired like four or five quick shots. Did Conrad have a rifle or a gun when he went out uh, to the garage door? Mm -mm. What did he use to open the boat on the door? A big um, monkey wrench. A big monkey wrench? Are you certain it was a rifle and not a monkey wrench or something of that nature? <coughs> I know a rifle, believe me. When this male pointed this rifle up, I, in other words, I, I could hear sound, I could see muzzle flashes. Now you say that the, some shooting started. Did you hear shooting? It was a like it was just going after each other, like it was going, both were going after each other, like Both were going one right after, something like that? Yeah. Sergeant Griffith, could you just by rapping on the table indicate the sound, the best you can recall of those shots? It was not automatic fire, if that's what you're asking. Okay, could you just try and indicate for me what it sounded like? Did you ever fire your weapons after the bomb was dropped? Officer Mulville? No, sir. Officer DeLisi? No, sir. <clears throat> he had some officers taking him out, and then he started shooting again, and then they brought him back in, then they locked the thing back up. Do you have any idea why that person may have gone back into the fire? My own idea? What I think? Yes. I just think they went back into that fire, sort of to regroup, well, just as a human being myself, I'm just trying to imagine myself in that situation. And behind me, there's a raging inferno. And in front of me, there are people who are saying, come on out. I'm trying to imagine what would cause me to turn back and run into the fire. I don't think we said anything other than that. Uh come down to us, come, come on down with your hands up, the uh, normal police jargon. I'm just saying that I'm trying to put myself in that person's skin. So I don't think you ever could, we'll move members. Uh... Well, you see, I knew a lot of those people as individuals and as human beings. A lot of people no move from what they may have seen. But I'd had a lot of dealings with them, and I knew them to be more than move people. I knew many of them by name, as human beings. It's probably a rhetorical question. I don't think you, from the way you've responded, I don't think you can answer that. Yes, sir. That's audio from the 2013 film, Let the Fire Burn, documenting the police bombing of a home occupied by MOVE members. After the break, we go to recent protests from MOVE members who learned the remains of one of the bombing victims is being used in anthropology classes at the University of Pennsylvania and Princeton University. We want to hear your thoughts on recent developments. Tweet us at making underscore contact or message us on Instagram at making contact radio project. That's all one word. You can also write us at making contact at radioproject.org. On April 26th, the University of Pennsylvania and Princeton University apologized to the Africa family for using the remains of one of the MOVE bombing victims, 14-year-old Tree Africa, as a case study in his anthropology classes 
without the knowledge of the family. In response, members of MOVE, a Philadelphia-based radical organization, rejected the apology and accused the city, Penn Museum, and Princeton University of mishandling and disrespecting the remains of their family members who died in the 1985 bombing that killed 11 people, most of whom were children. On April 28, 2021, MOVE and community members gathered in front of Penn Museum and the home of UPenn's president to protest and demand the remains be returned. Mike Africa, Jr. So when I think about what has happened, what these people have done to them, it is unfathomable. And the other day, as we were, as Chris and I were going through this, these forms and this investigation stuff, trying to figure out and trying to get to the root of this, who would do this, who did this, why did they do this? One of the things that was in those documents was Tree's birth certificate. And when I looked at the birth certificate, I saw her footprints. And I saw, I saw our birthday. And at the time when we were kids, we didn't celebrate birthdays. We didn't, we didn't do that. You know, we needed something. Our rules were if you need something, you get it. You don't wait till a day to tell you that you need something. You just get what you need when you need it. But when I looked at her birthday, I never knew that it was the same day as mine. And it was just so striking. And even though that doesn't really matter, it feels like a stronger connection. And when I think about Alicia and her sister Yvonne just read, read the statement, Chris read the statement from Yvonne, her sister, who she never really got to really know, it is such a tragedy. And it makes me so determined, so confident that we are going to bring accountability to these people who did to our people. I don't care how much time it takes, and I don't care what it takes. Let's bring it back. I'm sorry. So for people who don't know where we are physically on Penn's campus, right behind us is the president's house. Dr. Crystal Strong, an assistant professor of education at UPenn. And part of the intention of coming to this place is that in the response that we've seen so far, there have been sidesteps, half-truths, mischaracterizations, falsehoods, shallow apologies that were not delivered to the MOVE family, but that were sent through the media and on email blasts, but not directly to MOVE members. And so, I hope you all feel how palpable, how present the pain is for members of the MOVE family. 
who are having to relive all of these traumas anew, with new traumas on top of that, so close to the anniversary of May 13th. This is the first year after the city's so-called apology. And we see that we haven't even uncovered all of the harms, all of the violences. And so we really wanted to share with you that they were human beings who had lives and dreams and loves and loved ones. And I don't know, there was a story you shared that you, when we were getting ready for today, um, you really wanted to tell this story. I don't know if you still want to tell the, the snow story. You don't have to, but you specifically said, don't let me not tell the you know snow story. So. Yeah. So, so, all right. This is what Chris talked about. So, so y'all know when we was kids, we used to run around naked all the time, even in the winter. We were strong, you know. We, you know. So, um, Tommaso was, you know, one of the kids, and um, he and I were, we were, we were crying about something. I, I, my grandmother was about to leave the house, and we wanted to go with her, and she. For whatever reason, she couldn't take her take us with her. So to make us feel better about not being able to go with her, she told us that it was going to snow that day. So we, you know, we happy. Tommaso, if you, Tommaso used to do this thing where he would run in a circle when he was happy. He would run in a circle, his arms be swinging, and he'd be just going, right? So he had a big, big stomach, right? And, and, and I used to say to him all the time, did you swallow a whole watermelon? And, you know, we had this thing. But anyway... It was snowing, or, or it didn't snow yet. So we, we looking outside, it ain't look like it was going to snow. It looked like a regular day like right now. And, and so we sitting in the window, we hopped up on the windowsill, and we just kind of back to back, just waiting for the snow to fall. Looking out the window, we don't see no snow. We, we sat there so long, we fell asleep. I don't know how much time passed. You know when your kid time is different. We fell asleep, and when we woke up, there was snow everywhere. It was, we couldn't see anything. We couldn't see the street. We couldn't see the cars. We didn't see anything. So we looked at each other. We hopped down. We, yeah, it's snow. It's snow. We look, he opens the front door and we're looking outside at the snow. We naked. <laughs> no clothes. My man ran outside and jumped in the snow. He started throwing it up on himself and covering himself in snow. He was, he was white, half white, right? So his body turned red, like, immediately. And he just, like, now he's just sitting there looking like. And I'm looking at him, and I'm thinking, nah, I ain't doing that. I ain't doing that. I ran upstairs, and I put some clothes on. And then I ran outside. When I got down the steps, he was still out there in the snow. He was... So I ran out there and I joined him and I'm in the snow and we playing and we just throwing snow up in the air on top of each other. The other kids were there too. Um, they said the same thing that I said. Nah, I ain't going out there with no clothes on. Tommaso, he could really take the cold well. And um, so we played so much. We, 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 our clothes got sweaty and wet and we took them off. 
throw them down and we put some new clothes on, Tommaso put some clothes on. We went back outside and we played until those clothes were soaking wet too. And the other kids, they were, they were doing something. They didn't really hang out with us as much. We were younger than they were, you know. When you were a kid, two years is a lot, right? Not nowadays, you're 40 and 42? Now I mean nothing. But back then, it means something. So we got in the house. By the time we were done playing in the snow, Grandma was home. We had a pile of clothes mounted over on the, on the floor. She came in the house, and she looked at us and just shook her head and chuckled and was like, what did y'all do? And Tree, the oldest, what did she do? Immediately, Grandma started picking up clothes and gathering them up to take them to the laundry. And Tree just instinctively, willingly, without hesitation, helped her do it. And she was smiling the whole time, telling on us, telling them, they did this and they did that. They, you know, gathering everything up. That's one of the vivid memories I have. I have a lot of memories, but they're not really clear because I was so young. But that one, I really, really remember that one. We had such a good time. And it was one of the last times I saw them. That's the story. So I think it's really beautiful and poignant that we can laugh and smile and just taking in the memories and of the lives of Delisha and Tree and the other children who were killed on May 13th, 1985 alongside our tears, alongside our rage. But we don't forget that that rage is real. The need for justice is real. The demand for justice is real. And so, one thing that I have found so despicable about the media coverage is that it is centering the doers of the harm as opposed to the people who have been harmed. I don't know about what an apology means and looks like to you, but I'm not trying to hear about your apology from somebody else. I'm not trying to hear about your apology until you've come to see me. Ask me what I want. What it would look like for you to repair harm, if repair of harm is even possible. And so, as a way of kind of closing today, which has been a beautiful day, a beautiful coming together in honor of Delisha and Tree Africa, organized by the people who love them. And so we want to hold space to hear what might it look like to honor Delisha and Tree Africa? Not for the media, not for the PR, but in a true transformative and reparative sense. If 
that is even possible in the first place. Yeah, somebody said take down that sign. Okay. That Wilson Good Street sign. The person who was the mayor that cooperated, that worked with the city police and the state and the military government to drop a bomb on our house. The fact that my sisters are in a laboratory being experimented on and he has a sign, that's one thing that could be done. There's other things that can be done. First of all, let me just say, make no mistake about it, there's nothing that can be done to fix anything, that can repair anything. Can't bring them back. I mentioned that sign because Mama Maisha, who lives not far from that sign, she has to pass that sign regularly. It's a reminder. But as to how we're going to move forward with this in our strategy, we are assembling a team. We're building a team of, of, of strategic-minded people. And we're going to come up with a strategy. And we're going to figure out what the next steps looks like. And we're, we, we are going to let you know. And we're going to need your help. We're going to need to add extreme pressure. John Africa said the system is controlled by pressure. And you got to keep the pressure on. And we're going to need your help. going to need their help. So as we move forward, look out for updates. We got a lot of people that are wanting to talk about this because we got families of other victims. Let's not forget Henrietta Lacks. Right? I just talked to a person. I, my, my email has been flooded with people who are complaining about the same type of stuff I got so many phone calls from people who remember and was a part of and are still suffering today because of what was done at Holmesburg Prison. Acres of skin. And those people were experimented on by doctors from the University of Pennsylvania. So we are going to assemble this team, this crew, this, this network of organizations and legal people, legal strategists, we're going to figure this out. So if Dr. Allen Mann really believed what he said when he made that quote, that the people, the perpetrators, were never in any way punished, I'm glad he said that. Because if they, what they should do is expect the type of justice that they would want to see if this was done to their families. Right? That's where that's where we at. And, and, and one more thing, just so let's make it clear. Like I said earlier, Delicia and Tree were two. There were eleven people that were murdered. John Africa was my great uncle. Frank Africa was my cousin. And all the other people were my move brothers and sisters. And there's a lot of connections to those people from other people who might not at this point know about this. But when they find out, 
I can expect them to feel like I feel. So this thing, we can expect to see this thing mushroom. You've been listening to Making Contact. This audio is courtesy of Hate 5-6. It's from a recent protest in Philadelphia in front of the Penn Museum and the home of UPenn's president. For a full list of credits, speakers, and more information about the 1985 bombing of MOVE and the horrific acts of Penn Museum and Princeton's Anthropology Department, please visit our website at radioproject.org. I'm Anita Johnson. Thank you for listening to Making Contact.